<laughs> now that we're not talking about illegal substances, let's record, record a, a podcast. podcast. We talk about murders. Are illegal substances all that different? No. I mean, yes, they are, but it depends <laughs> on what scale you're asking. <laughs> Welcome, we are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Tiffany's doing squid arms. I do squid arms every intro. She does. She (laughs) has like her rhythm. That's why she got so mad at me for skipping this week, last week. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I like mouth along and I dance. And gets super excited. I do. She mouths along to everyone else's lines, but still has to look at a board to remember her own. Look, we all have our issues, okay? We can't all be perfect. You're right. I can't hold you guys to the same standards I hold myself. Cheers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fair. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Do y'all have poisons for this week? I do. I do have a poison this week. What's your poison? My poison this week is that I'm not on vacation, and I really, really want to be on vacation. Do you have a vacation planned? Nope. Wait, no, that's a lie. (laughs) A soon upcoming vacation planned? Ish. I have one coming up in March. Hey, close enough. Yeah. That's March. The ruler. I've got to remember to say that. Screw it. His name is Matthew. We know. I know, but I can't keep trying to remember to say the ruler. Um, Matthew and I are going to take baby girl down to the beach with um, his parents and youngest sister. Yay. I am so excited. And it's going to be her first trip to the beach. Uh, her first, like, vacation, actually. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm ready for March. And then the week after is Crime Con. No. March, April, May, June. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, three months later is Crime Con. Look, what I meant was May. End of May. Because so, I remember I was telling Matthew about it. So you're going to the beach at the end of May. End of May. And then the last weekend of May... Is our trip to the beach. The first weekend in June is our trip to time. Is crime gone? And that'll be both our birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. Last trip, our last girl's trip we took was for Tiffany's birthday. And now this one is going to be a dual birthday celebration. Which means it has to be twice as exciting. It is going to be twice as long. Well, I mean, it is. So, I mean, we're already, I know, I had that discussion this weekend. This is going to be the furthest and longest I've ever been away from him. So, Ashley, what's your poison? Podcast-related things. (gasps) Oh. (laughs) We got business cards. I'm so excited. We got business cards. Our Patreon is chugging along with the support of Rebecca's family. And Cookie Monster. And Cookie Monster. So, my family still hasn't disowned me. Correct. They've even met us. And haven't disowned Didn't you. Didn't we talk about that the last episode? Yeah, but that's still it's shocking so to me. <laughs> Look. And your brother wants to come record with slash be here for a recording. Yeah. <laughs> My family hasn't exploding. even like, listened yet. My family listens. My dad actually was texting me and my mom texts me. Actually, so my dad texts me. He started listening um, during Ouija. And then um, H.H. Jones, I remember him texting me that was like, so this whole like corpse life insurance thing, how do I get in on it? So (laughs) 
they listen and I'm excited and yeah. I also, know my stepsister and my sister-in-law listen, but it's not my sister's thing. Dad, please don't. <laughs> and um no, I have to give warning to my parents. I'm like, these episodes you can listen to, and these you shouldn't if you still want to be proud of me. Okay, thanks. If my dad ever told me that he knew how to podcast, the world is coming to an end. Oh, part of the conversation was explaining to my dad how to podcast, and then ending with telling my mom, tell him how to podcast. Did you also have to explain to him the difference between a succulent and a succubus? <laughs> That'll never not be funny. still one of my favorite memories of all time. Mm-hmm. That'll never not be funny. What were you going to say, Tiffany? And also, she lost it. Rebecca, what's your poison this week? My poison is, so the conductor loves my cat more than he loves me. I don't want to say fair. I mean, my cat's awesome. But to the point that the conductor bought my cat a one-pound bag of catnip. (laughs) On? Through Amazon. And the funny part about this is he accidentally signed up for his subscription service first. So every month he will be getting one pound, pound of catnip. catnip. Well, he he got the email saying, "Congratulations, you signed up for a one pound bag catnip every four weeks." He's like, "No, no, 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 no." So Patreon donors, you will now be getting <laughs> hand knitted cat toys <laughs> filled with catnip <laughs> for fifty dollars donations. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, that's my poison. Is my is the conductor spoils my cat. Well, Which is Gus fine. deserves to be spoiled. He, he does. He deserves to be spoiled. But there's also moments I'm like, you have shown more interest in Gus than I've ever seen you show interest in any human. But okay. Yeah. I think if Matthew had to, like, the world was, somebody had a gun to his head and said, pick between demon cat Yuna or your wife, he would absolutely Yuna. pick Yuna. I mean, those two have a bond like nobody's business, so. I mean, she is his familiar. She is. She absolutely is his familiar. Is he Satan? <laughs> no, I love the real. You don't have I to love be him too, a good but wizard. That just her being anyone's familiar, like your familiar, supposed to guide you and like show you the way and like teach you your powers. And she's like, yes, we'll use them for evil. Look with the cursing paw. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> he's not. He's not Satan. But. I don't think he's a Slytherin, I, but he would fit in well with the Slytherins at all. He would fit in well with the Slytherins. So if she were to be like, let me lead you down the dark path, he might be like, I mean, sure, why not? I'm not Does busy. the dark path have Wi-Fi? <laughs> Let's be real here. The ruler would just be like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've... I've been working really hard, and I just need to, like, enjoy right. my time to myself. If you're trying to take me somewhere, you can get out on your own. Can we talk about this later? <laughs> yeah. So, he works really hard, so when he yes, has he does. his time, it is his time. So, if, you know, we're like, let's do stuff, he, he'd say no. I think that's why they get along so well. He's like, unless by stuff you mean come cuddle me while I veg? Yes. Yes. Stuff will be done. Done. He likes cuddling? Well, not the cat. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany's like, I don't know. I see him cuddle the cat and his daughter all the time, but. He he humors me, so. And let's. Tiffany force let's cuddles cuddle. him and he doesn't push her off the couch. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> 72% of the time. Yes. She gets pushed off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are y'all ready for a story? I don't know. I'm so ready. Have y'all heard of Walter Jackson Freeman, the second? Oh, no, I've only heard of the senior. Oh, well, see, I've heard of the third. Really? Okay. I don't know if there's a third one. Well, 
you wouldn't have heard of him. Only us hipsters have. He goes to a different school. <laughs> Y'all are stupid. <laughs> okay. Walter Jackson Freeman II mm-hmm. was born on November 14th, 1895 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Tiffany got excited about that date for November some 14th is my parents' anniversary. Oh. I know. Well, you're not going to be excited, excited about well. that for long. Okay. His father, Walter Jackson Freeman, an otolaryngologist. Yes. Also known as an ENT doctor. Of course. Eyes, nose, throat. I knew that. Ears. And his Everybody knows that. Ears, nose, throat. Thank you. I mean, I told you I knew senior. I'm, I'm not <laughs> most of the way through a bottle of wine. It's fine. It's fine. I was like, eyes, nose, throat. Those are not connected. That's not true. The, you can, there can be a connection in the, between the eye and the nasal cavity. That's how people can squirt milk through their eyes. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish you could see Ashley's face. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. His mother was named Corrine Keene. Uh, Walter's maternal grandfather, William Williams Keene, was a prominent surgeon during the time of the Civil War and went on to treat six presidents, including President Franklin Roosevelt. Aww. Good for him, William Williams. Something. So, Keene. Keene. Oh, like Commander Keene, the game. Sorry, continue. <laughs> What? Never mind. So, Walter graduated from Yale in 1916 and then enrolled in the University of Pennsylvania, eventually earning a degree in medicine in 1920. After working at the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania as a pathology intern, Freeman went to Europe in 1923 to study neurology. After a year, he returned to the States to take up the position as laboratories director at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington, D.C., Fun fact, he was the first practicing neurologist in the city. Oh, good for you. It was you here. Fancy, huh? It was here that he first witnessed the conditions experienced by mentally ill patients. So, setting the scene here, this was the time before the appearance of effective psychiatric drugs were available. And those showed up around the 1950s. Okay. Okay. Additionally, mental hospitals were typically overcrowded. For example, the state hospital in Philadelphia was known to have 75% more patients than what it was approved for. Ooh. And would also hold patients for decades at a time. I'm going to hope that our friend Junior is going to do social reform and fix all of this. Yeah. In 1948, writer Albert Dutch described a visit to this hospital as reminding him of images he had seen of a Nazi concentration camp. Oh, no. So, not great. At the time, treatments were creative and barbaric, ranging from injecting patients with insulin to send them into hypoglycemic comas and giving patients malaria to pure insanity. Oh. This was called pyrotherapy, which involved raising the body's temperature by either inducing a fever or giving them hot baths. And this was used to treat psychiatry. Oh, no. So you said giving them malaria, malaria to induce fevers? No, psych- to cure insanity. To cure insanity. So the idea was elevated body temperatures would cure things somehow. Okay. Sure. I guess maybe they thought that it was going to like kill off some... I mean, that is a whole reason you run a fever is it's part to of fight, helping yeah. fight off and kill things but people thought it would help cure things like mental problems not viruses i complain about the state of mental health treatments and availability right now but right? i guess i uh in perspective it's not huh. that bad 
Yeah. So that's the scene for Walter. Okay. He eventually earned his PhD in neuropathology and became the head of the neurology department at George Washington University. Freeman believed that mental disorders had a well-defined physical cause and that the current psychoanalytic approach, a view that thought mental illnesses stemmed from the unconscious, wasn't useful in clinical settings. So basically, it's a bit unclear if his belief that mental disorders stemmed from from a physical cause and should be handled in a physical manner, or if he believed that in a clinical setting, that physical methods of treatment would be more efficient. So is he trying to make things better? He's trying to fix things. Okay. He's trying to see how it can be treated. Yeah. Okay. And is basically what's the best way to handle... And right. he, yeah, essentially. And he, his theory is basically there should be some type of switch um, as you should flip and fix them. Oh, okay. That's the best way I can explain it. Okay. There's so something thinks, physical you can do to fix people. So he thinks that there's something physical that caused either this issue. Physical, so there should be something physical to retro- either, reverse. Yeah, usually physical cause or that it can be handled in a physical matter. Okay. This caused him to be attracted to the idea of psychosurgery, where surgery was performed on the brain with the belief that this would be a psychological treatment. Does this have anything to do with lobotomies? Brain stirring? <laughs> <laughs> okay. In 1935, Freeman learned of a frontal lobe ablation, aka removal technique, that had resulted in <laughs> subdued temperament on chimpanzees who had this procedure performed. Oh, poor monkeys. And people who are going to be subject. They haven't gotten there yet. Poor monkeys. (laughs) One poor thing at a time. Sorry. Okay. Additionally, in the same year, a new procedure was performed under the direction of Antonio Iga Moniz. Yes. Who was a neurologist and a physician. This procedure was called a leucotomy, which was meant to treat mental illnesses by removing small cores of the frontal lobe, more specifically the prefrontal cortex. Okay. So... The prefrontal cortex is like the most forward part of the brain. So basically the brain that's right behind your forehead. Okay. That part. So the way this was performed, there was a tool called a leucotome, mm-hmm. which was a rod with a loop at the end. Basically, they would drill holes through the top of your brain and stick this tool down into your brain. Is with it the- like our curettes? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It's this tool with a loop and they stick it down the holes into the brain and make cuts. Okay. All righty. Yes, it was called a curette. Essentially. Well, it's the same thing. Yeah. Oh. A ring curate. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Freeman adopted and modified the procedure, renaming it a lobotomy. Uh-huh. Story, stories vary on how exactly he modified the procedure. He believed that the excess emotions cause mental instability. So he'd have a fun time with Tiffany. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Let's just remove this whole piece here. Emotions, mental instability. So So, he thought that by severing the nerves in the brain, you'd be able to stabilize a person's personality. Okay. (laughs) I have lots of thoughts on this. Um, Should I just move on? No, because she had a question. What's your question? Slash comment. Prefrontal cortex um, houses. Okay, never mind. Well, I'm going to think through it's my question. It's linked to emotion, yes. Well, it's also linked to memory retention. Mm-hmm. So I'm, okay. It's the brain. It's linked to a lot of things. It is. <laughs> kind of all of the things. Well, I'm also having some mixed emotions about how I feel about lobotomies at this time. So continue and I'll describe later. Oh, oh okay. 
Sorry if I threw this off. (laughs) So it was at this time that Freeman teamed up with James Watts, who was a neurosurgeon. Since Freeman was a neurologist and not a traditionally trained surgeon, I got mixed reports on whether Freeman was initially able to perform surgery and then lost his license when a patient died on the table. So when I was researching, I did listen to other podcasts, and some podcasts did say this, but I couldn't find, like, definitive evidence this is actually what happened. But there was a neurosurgeon named James Watts who helped him perform these surgeries. They performed their first lobotomy in September of 1936 on Alice Hood Hummots, who was a Kansas housewife. Uh, She had been previously diagnosed with agitated expression. Agitated what? Agitated, that's probably supposed to say depression, except autocorrect fixed that. Expression. Agitated expression. She would have bouts of hysterical laughter or crying. Stop looking at me. (laughs) She woke up from the procedure with a placid expression on her face and could not remember what upset her before. Later, her husband wrote to Freeman and said that post-surgery his wife was happiest of her life. Irritates me so oh, it, bad. Same. When I was researching this, I was like, <laughs> "You mean she had bleeding ovaries and hormones that were going?" Pew, 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 pew. You mean she was a human who had thoughts and feelings? Oh. How dare she have thoughts and feelings? I'm gonna drink it first. Maybe I, while you're drinking, maybe I am um, in the minority on this. So I'm just gonna throw out my like questionable thoughts about the lobotomy that I held back before. Oh, no. I'm trying to put myself in this time frame or time period. Yeah. And like maybe our friend Junior, um, Dr. Junior, has um is really trying to do good, but they just don't know any better and they think that this will give them the desired results. So maybe in his mind this is a good thing. We now know what's not, so shame on you, friend. But at the time he thought he was doing a good thing. Having gone through some, like, crazy emotions post-baby and being an emotional roller coaster, I'd say 97.5% of the time, I could see Matthew going to a doctor and being like, look, she needs help. She is showing me these signs and is just afraid to ask for help. What do you suggest? And he'd be like, oh, look, we've got this new thing that we're testing out, clinical trials, and... It's Let's cut open her head and shave Ooh. part of her brain out and Clinical see if trials, that, that escalated with quickly. With a fancy metal loop. I'm, I'm saying, I'm not saying that Matthew would suggest this be done. Well, I'm no. not saying he would suggest it not be done. But <laughs> um, I could see how if things escalated to a certain point, that might be something that. Okay, that's all fine and dandy. But the fact of the matter that you're saying that you, and I know you don't. Uh-huh. But the fact that you're saying that Matthew has the right to go to a doctor and say, this is what you need, oh. that's the part of... And I know not yeah. we're using you guys as an example, but that's the part of the story that bothers me more than anything else. No, and I, I could absolutely see that. No, I, and that's why I hesitated saying something. Um, I The way I saw it, though, is... Um, and I know at this time frame, that is probably what happened at this point in time. Oh, that is what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but the way I'm seeing it from a 2018 perspective is I know a 19. lot of... 19. Shit. <laughs> um, I know a lot of times in situations like mine, there are people who are afraid to ask for help and their partners say like... 
We'll get the ball rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying Matthew would ever go to a doctor and be like, my wife is having issues. (laughs) You need to put her. That's what I'm saying. Just using y'all's names as examples. Oh, yeah. No. No. Even in my example, I'm trying to give, he would never go to a doctor. Like, I guess you get what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's okay for him to go to a doctor. But if I were in a situation where I was not willing to reach out for help. Absolutely. And he reached out and said, I think my wife needs help. I'd be understanding but there's a difference between saying your wife needs help and consenting surgery for her right consenting brain surgery absolutely like even back in the 1950s they should have had enough of a thought to be like well let's bring her in let's talk to her let's see what's going on instead of being like yeah bring her in tomorrow and chop open i'm not completely justifying it guys i'm just saying i could see how it would escalate yes human rights Oh, absolutely. Yes. Let, yes. Let's continue. Sorry. Let me let me just state that I am not condoning it. I'm just seeing how I... Tiffany? I understand how it could escalate. You're cute. Be quiet. I like you. <laughs> okay. Back on track. By 1942, Freeman and Watts had performed over 200 lobotomies. 63% reported showing improvement post-operatively. Again, I don't know what that means, other than they didn't die. And the practice was just being taken up by other surgeons at this time. Reportedly, Freeman was noted to have said that a lobotomy was only a little more dangerous than an operation to remove an infected tooth. I don't quite agree with that. Ashley, Mm -hmm. do do you need a drink of wine? Mm -hmm. Okay. Still, Freeman knew of, of the hundreds of people in mental institutions and aimed to make a procedure that was faster, more effective, required less tools, and thus was more readily available to those who needed it. So to put this in perspective, many mental institutions at the time did not have access to things like surgery suites or anesthesia. So he wanted something accessible to physicians who didn't have a surgery suite to be able to perform something like this on their patients who they believed needed it. And this is the time I ask if y'all need a drink break. Yes, yeah, right. most definitely. Should I mix something up a little strong for a y'all? Very, very strong. Much so, all right. True crime listeners, check out our podcast, I Said Goddamn. We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say goddamn. Every Sunday, we try to one-up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of. Along the way, we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language. Listen every Sunday from any of your favorite podcast directories. Also, follow us on Twitter at ISGDpodcast or visit our website, isgdpodcast.com. Welcome back. No, I don't want to. <laughs> Ashley doesn't want to be here. Okay, so I feel really good right now because normally That's it's, called wine. <laughs> that's fair. Normally it's me feeling really uncomfortable and Ashley really excited, but roles are reversed right now. It's not the like gore and the procedure. It's just the way that people have been treated throughout history that have these issues that gets to me. Oh, absolutely. You know, I can see that. I 100% sympathize I am trying, though, to um, put myself in the shoes of the doctors. Yeah. And I really do think Junior is trying to do something good here. I can't remember the guy's name, so I'm calling him Dr. Junior. Walter Freeman. The second. I prefer Junior. I know. So 
I think Dr. Jr. is really trying to do something good here. Hindsight being 2020, <laughs> we know he's not. Oh, where is my brain? <laughs> oh, where is my brain? I know it's going to be really funny. Is everybody oh, where, at work where, is going to be like, where, do you know how much you talk about brain stirring? <laughs> and I'm going to be like, yeah, that's for like completely competent people that cut me off in traffic. Okay. This is not for poor PTSD victims that need help. And they're trying to remove part of their brain. So would you like to learn about how no. Dr. Freeman helped them? Okay. Well, you're going to learn about it anyway because okay. it's my subject. <laughs> I'm ready to learn. I don't condone what he did, but I understand. No, don't condone what he did. Okay. Okay. So Dr. Freeman wanted to make something readily available to physicians to use even when they didn't have access to an operating suite or anesthesia. So in 1945, he took a grapefruit in mm-hmm. a nice pick. From his kitchen, I started testing his idea. Mm-mm. Eventually, moving on to cadavers. Mm-mm. He came up with the transorbital lobotomy. So, root words are fun. Trans means across, over, beyonds. Orbit is the bony cavity perforated for the passage of nerves and blood vessels that occupies the lateral front of the skull immediately beneath the frontal bone on each side. And it closes and protects the eye and its appendages. Called... Also, the eye socket, or the orbital cavity. I'm not enjoying this as much. (laughs) (laughs) So, now we're going to move on to how the transorbital lobotomy is performed. There's not a whole lot to it. (laughs) You line it up and... (laughs) The patient was typically rendered unconscious by electroshock therapy. Mm Okay. Then, the eyelid eyelid was lifted and the instrument, a.k.a. the ice pick was placed under the eyelid against the top of the eye socket. Uh-huh. Using a mallet. Uh-uh. The instrument was driven into the thin bone of the eye socket into the brain. No. Following the plane of the bridge of the nose. The instrument would be driven two inches into the brain before being swept towards the nose, so a horizontal cut. Returning to the neutral position, whatever that means, the instrument was driven an additional four-fifths of an inch and swept horizontally again. A more radical variation involves sweeping the instrument up, down, vertically for a deep frontal cut. The instrument was removed and the process was repeated on the opposite side. Um, yeah, this is great. I totally am on the side of the doctor look, and this is fantastic. I was not saying, look, I'm not saying it's fantastic. I was just saying I can understand at this point in time with the research they had, how he thought he was doing a good thing. I am not... I don't understand. I'm, my brain's broken. Um, <laughs> I, uh, mm. Are they like able to still see afterwards? I feel like you're gonna. Have it doesn't issues. affect the eye at all. Yeah, you're you just go, you're like, not you're not poking po- with Tiffany. Oh, sorry, you're not poking it through the eye. You're poking it in the bone right behind the eye. I know, so, like, but you're still like rubbing up against that. All ish. of your nerves come from behind yeah. your eyeball. Okay, Got straight it. into your eye, and you're not going straight like this. You're going back towards your neck. You're going up into your brain. I mean, it not would not that be that pleasant. Makes it better, <sighs> and I'm sure there was some uh, shifting. It's just eyesight was not something that they typically lost or concerned themselves with. Okay, I the the issues I'm going through right now. I don't think I would. Be it's willing. barbaric. I don't think I would be willing to go through this to None solve of them my. We're willing. That's the problem. <laughs> it's reported. That in the earlier surgeries, the original ice pick from Freeman's kitchen was used. Ah! Eventually, he created a glorified ice pick, and it was named a orbitoclast. No! 
Oh. It's an ice pick, guys. Then uh, he just made a surgical instrument. Yeah. Traditional lobotomies could take over an hour. This new procedure had an operating, quote unquote, time of 10 minutes. Additionally, the new procedure didn't require dressing of the wounds post-operatively and could be performed by clinicians untrained in surgery. Mm-mm. The first transorbital lobotomy was performed in 1946 on a housewife named Sally Ellen Lonesco. Her daughter, Sally Forrester, remembers her mother being absolutely violently suicidal. Afterwards, she said, it stopped immediately. It was just peace. So from an outsider's perspective, it Ashley, worked. you need a drink of wine. <laughs> you do. Fine. You have the same look I do when someone says something scientifically inaccurate. I'm trying really hard to see this from this time period, and it looks like from that time period, that would be considered a success story at this point in time. Okay. Eh. In reality, this procedure would typically leave people in a vegetative state or reduce them to childlike behavior. This was desirable since it would make patients easier to handle. Despite criticism and the controversy, the transorbital lobotomy gained popularity and was thought of as a miracle procedure. Freeman started touring the country, promoting his new procedure using the slogan, Lobotomy Gets Them Home. However, side note, contrary to popular belief, some stories say that he traveled the U.S. in a car called the Lobotomobile. But after thorough research, I found sources both saying he did do this and he didn't do this. So I'm just leaving this as a side note that this is unconfirmed. By 1949, 5,000 lobotomies were performed annually. Freeman was reported to have performed the operation on more than 2,900 people. Mm. One source I found stated more than 3,500 people. 19 of which being younger than 18. Good God. What? No. In 1952 in West Virginia, he performed 228 lobotomies in a two-week span at state hospitals. He charged $25 per operation, during which he didn't wear a surgical mask or gloves. What did he do? Just, like, line them up? And... Dr. Junior, you're making this really hard. He was known for showboating. Being reported to once insert two ice picks into a patient's eyes at the same time. Okay. I don't think he's really in it for the patient's well-being anymore. I'm it... not digging this. In one instance in Iowa in 1951... A patient died when the ice pick slipped too far into the brain when he stopped for a photo op mid-operation. No shit, Sherlock. Wow. Jamming an ice pick into somebody's brain and you accidentally went too far? Not, not feeling this anymore, no. For the survivors, some showed no noticeable difference. Some lived in a vegetative state and some were crippled for life. The most notorious of Freeman's patients was Rosemary Kennedy, John F. Kennedy's sister. Her father gave consent, and she received a lobotomy in 1941 that incapacitated her. She spent the remaining of her life in and out of institutions. Finally, in the 1950s, more effective psychiatric medications started appearing, which sidelined Freeman's efforts and increased the stigma towards lobotomies. Good. Right? Yes. After a patient succumbed to a cerebral hemorrhage in 1967, Freeman decided it was time to retire. In Wait, what? what year? 1967. The fudge? Wait, it what? At, it was at this point he bought a camper and went to visit former patients to further document his successful procedure. And drove it off a cliff. He did not Thelma and Louise this. He should have. Him and Watts. Him it, it wasn't Freeman and Watts like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> Finally, in 1972, Freeman died of cancer at the age of 76. Too bad we couldn't chop it out with an ice pick. (laughs) Today, 
This procedure being performed is unheard of and could be argued technically illegal for reasons I consider obvious. Uh, it should be yeah. illegal. Yeah. And that is the story of the transorbital lobotomy and Walter Freeman II. I don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I've ever made Ashley this uncomfortable. I... <sighs> <laughs> And I know based on the things that we talk about and the history of everything, like I should almost be appreciative because hopefully he paved the way for what little care we do have. But I just, I <laughs> see my thing is like, you're always going to encounter ignorance throughout all of history, but he was known for being a showman. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I have a huge issue. No matter what, like, the social norms or whatever was acceptable. He wasn't doing it for the right time. reasons. He was obviously showboating by doing two at a time. And then the thing that I have the issue with is back in, like, history, and this is not me going on, like, a feminist rant, but, like, all of these women that being a mother and a wife and a female and the things that I've gone through well, and thank God I have a supportive husband and friends and family to get me through well, it. Well, at this time, it wasn't... Like, the examples I had were specific to women. Um, but at this time, a lot of times, if you were in a mental institution or you had mental instability, you weren't the one making decisions for your care. No, yeah. but that's what I'm saying, though, is, like, it's women and a lot of military personnel, soldiers with PTSD coming out of these wars and mm -hmm. not having anybody else to turn to get yeah. thrown in these institutions. And they're, for the most part, perfectly sound. They're just suffering from depression or PTSD and need help. Mm -hmm. And because they're trying to fight for themselves and ask for help, you're like, oh, we're just going to render them a vegetable and chop off part of their fucking brain. It is this a hot button topic. <laughs> do, you, do you need to hold Rainbow Dash for a little bit? No, it is. No, it is really upsetting. And I went into this episode trying to see it from the perspective of that time period and what information they had available. But again, he was showboating and he was just doing it for the, the wrong reason. And yeah. It wasn't like he was looking out for the patient's no. best interest. If he were doing this and looking out for the pa patient's best interest and then realized shit, this is not good, that'd be different, still wrong. But even looking if he at was, like, well, even if he had gone into it looking into the patient's best A good example interest. of that was when bloodletting was the way to treat people. Like, I'm sure there were doctors who were convinced that this was the way to treat people at that time. Did it help them? No. But they were convinced this was the best way to help people. But with bloodletting, like, that's awful and a whole nother topic in yeah. itself it didn't render these people vegetables, vegetables and yeah. completely mm -hmm. incapable like i could get like tiffany was saying having the best interest in mind initially mm -hmm. and thinking that you could do this quote unquote minor procedure and hopefully fix these people but after time after time of people coming out of this and having these issues and being vegetables and reverting to a childlike state and not be like you think at some point you'd be like wait a second and that's this when, isn't what... That's when his showboating came in and he was like, everybody sees me doing this good thing. Let me keep going. It's not a good thing. And see, that was something yeah. interesting. I found... Well, interesting. Morbid. I found that, that um, even though there was like technically a procedure 
to this transorbital lobotomy as far as how far you inserted the pick and how you moved the pick. Nobody. He didn't actually follow it. Well, from onlookers, it looked like he was sticking a pick in there and just whisking it around. Well, and I mean, yeah. Did they have, like, markers to show you? And see, then even the then, like, you don't have any x-rays. You don't have any scans to see. Like, not all brains are the exact same distance. No. But that's getting into a whole other topic. This <laughs> is just, like you said, a basic human rights mm-hmm. and a basic decent person thing like maybe he did start it with the best intentions but it's obviously not fucking working yeah and then like i said you that hot button trigger for me of like the women with hysteria no her husband was probably an abusive asshole and she's stuck at home (laughs) popping out babies because that's her quote-unquote duty do we have cheese or something we can offer her (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a mouse (laughs) i'm just no it is it no, is no, no, awful. No, no, no. I, I say that because cheese would be a way to get me into a better mood. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, uh, I don't know. We've talked, touched a base on the mental health issues of today. And then just, like I said, granted, there is a smidgen of appreciation for where we've come. But that doesn't make hearing these stories any better. No. no and that's really a lot doesn't. of time what history, unfortunately, history is. It's remembering the things that happen so that we don't repeat them. Right. And it's scary, really scary going through mental health issues in the state we're in now, which is not great. A lot better than it was, but a lot great, or sorry, (laughs) a lot better than what it used to be, but still not great. I think that's why a lot of people are hesitant to reach out for help because you never know what kind of help you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. And reaching out for help was difficult for somebody like myself who recognized there was a problem sorry about that drop my phone recognized there was a problem reached out for help and was willing to go through these steps for the people who are um not at that stage yet there it's kind of like there really is no help that can be found for them because they're afraid of what could happen or the stigma of it and the stigma of it or Mm -hmm. like i am fully aware that there's an issue that needs to be fixed and I'm still having difficulty fixing it for the people who aren't quite as aware that they're going through these certain issues it's nearly impossible for them to fix it right well that's the thing it's not a physical switch you can click once and you're done it's a work in process Mm -hmm. and it's something that they don't didn't understand then and only partially understand now yeah that doesn't make it out okay what no Freeman and i think that's part of the reason that it this subject got to me so much is because granted yes we've come leaps and bounds from the 20s to where we are with mental health but i have so many friends damn it it's okay. <laughs> that oh, suffer no. from uh, i want to get through one episode without making someone <laughs> cry <laughs> Mental issues and postpartum and friends that are members of the LGBT community that have nowhere to turn. And this is obviously not to this extreme, but this is still the issue. Like, Mm -hmm. this is still a problem. Mm -hmm. And it... I'm going to start stop having subjects. No. And it's... I don't know. I think that's part of the reason that it really got to me because it's 2019 and... People are still just so conceited and self-centered and don't refuse to help other people because they're different or they're suffering from something that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's just not fair. And yeah, this one got to me a little bit, Rebecca. Thanks. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. And it's a discussion that needs to be had. Because and from like my side, the analytical side, I find it incredibly interesting. It is. To it see is. like how far we've come and how we handle things differently. And even but though we haven't come that far. And that's why it bothers yeah, me so yeah. much. It is interesting. It really is. And I don't think of the 20s as that long ago, but it was 100 years ago. So it really was quite a while ago. We have come quite a ways. We still have a hell of a long way to go. But I feel like personally looking out, things have gotten, um, it's more socially acceptable to talk about these issues. I mean, yes, we're absolutely making strides in the right direction. The step in the right direction, exactly. But it's, and like I said, luckily have not truly suffered but i have multiple people that are close to me that have Mm -hmm. and are and yes it's more okay to talk about and it's okay you know it's more socially acceptable and put out there on social media and put out there in the world that it's okay to talk about and it's okay to ask for help but where's the help yeah that's the issue and again not going political on the podcast but too late bless america (laughs) something has got to change and soon so guys be a friend. Listen to your friends. Yes. Offer them cheese. <laughs> that wine. <laughs> Offer them cheese. Offer them comfort food. A lot of times people just need to be listened to. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you, if that's what you take from someone's sticking an ice pick in someone's brain... I did. I did my job. I don't know where I was going with this. Ashley, can we out? Can we? Can we go? It was a good story, and I didn't mean for it to go the way that it did, but it got to me. And it's good that it did. And there are plenty of resources available. Even though we have a long way to go, there are plenty of resources available to those who need help. And I'll post some in the blog. Yes, Yes. we will, and social media accounts, and all of the above. Yes. But in the meantime, check out. Is this adult? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yes what? yes because <laughs> they've helped me is this adulting mental health po- comedy podcast you never knew you needed absolutely True wonderful that i've truer words have never been spoken all right guys remember friends everyone has something that they find is odd find is odd find <laughs> fuck they find <laughs> That's accurate here. It's odd. There's nothing we can do about it. We're not going to tell you why it's not. It's going to stay that way. But if you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesofstrange.com. Or you can email them to us at theladiesofstrange at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can now find us on Patreon. Keep it strange, lovelies, and we love you. And if you need anything, let us know. I don't know how we can help, but we love you. And there are links to resources that can help. Yes, we do love you. Other people love you. Have a good day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm emotional. Dun, dun, dun. I'm in a glass case of emotion. I don't understand.